for joining us, the Wealthy Retailer Podcast with your host, Dan Holman. Every episode, Dan dives into the retail headlines that matter to you, the independent retailer, covering topics ranging from retailer inventory, technology, marketing, retailers' questions, and more. The Wealthy Retailer Podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. Learn more at retailbycrs.com. And now, here's Dan Holman. Morning, everyone. Welcome to the Wealthy Retailer Podcast. Uh, Rob, the week of May 6th already. Sunshine and beautiful day. Yeah. Lots of new restrictions to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I pulled out an old quote. I think it's a good one, Dan, that, you know, the you can't change the direction of the wind, but you can adjust your sails. And, yeah. and uh, right. that, that's kind of where we're at. And what a nice way to say it. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying uh, I'm celebrating a bit today. It's it's 55 days. We're recording on May 5th, the, the fifth day of the fifth month. So yeah. that's uh, my my little celebratory uh, with, with my Road 55. But uh, enough of that garbage. Let's go on to the, the headlines of the week. There's some good ones and, and some great little ones kicked off with uh, just a great headline. Babes supporting babes. And, and here's a story aimed at... Uh, you know, a bit of a movement of uh, small business supporting and boosting small business. So looking forward to that. Uh, story out of Calgary talking about the city investing in the business community. And, uh, you know, while it's a Calgary story, it's one that's applicable across the country. Everywhere. So looking yeah. forward to, to your thoughts there. And uh, a story about, you know, this message isn't going away. And it talks about just every important. And that's the message of shop small. And uh, uh, what folks need to uh, keep thinking about in that regard. And then uh, the retailer question of the week. Uh, good one here. I know you've been asked to share a few strategies of how you get to that next level. So right. I know I'm looking forward to hearing that. We're, we're putting <laughs> you on the spot. Everyone's got their notepad out and, and Dan's going to share some good ones. Okay, Dan, the first story uh, comes from the review.ca uh, heading over to Van Cleek Hill uh, in, in Ontario yeah. story about babes supporting babes. It's this movement uh, that boosts small business. What, what stood out in this story to you, Dan? Rob, I love a feel good story. I love seeing businesses support other businesses. Um, and yes, Van Cleek Hill just outside of um, Ottawa, East of Ottawa, sort of on that Eastern um, Canada, or sorry, Eastern Ottawa, Western Quebec border, uh, small little town, uh, and two retail entrepreneurs, Rebecca Bradley and Claudia Parising. Uh, Claudia, if I mispronounce your last name, I'm so sorry. Uh, but Rebecca and Claudia have added a spin to one of their vendors, Brunette the Label. So Brunette the Label, we see it in a lot of fashion retail uh, here in Canada. They're a Western Canadian company um, and have taken on this movement of, you know, women empowering women. Um, and in this case, they've got some tees and hoodies, babes supporting babes. And so here's the campaign that Rebecca and Claudia kind of came up with. Um, every time they sell a Babes Supporting Babes product, they've committed to supporting another business in their community. And this campaign, Rob, is a product of the continued shutdowns in Ontario. Um, Ontario is in the middle of their third retail shutdown. And Rebecca in this article was quoted as saying, I, I just feel that every time there's been a shutdown, we allow ourselves a day or an evening to cry. And then the next morning we come up with a solution. You know, we, we decide how are we going to fight back yeah. and their solution today in, in response to this third level of shutdown, which by the way, 
you know, when you go into a small town like Van Cleek Hill, they're not riddled with big uh, uh, e-com giants. You know, it's not this big e-com place. It is a place where brick and mortar is still so relevant in their community. And, and these ladies are saying, we're going to support our local community. And every time we sell one of these products, we're going to take that money and we're going to reinvest it into our community to support each other. And, and what better way to rally support than going to the businesses themselves? This article um, goes on to talk about or to say that the, the shop local campaign has already been embraced in Van Cleek Hill um, as a number of business owners and suppliers are buying the babes supporting babes hoodies or tees. And then, and then posting photos of them in these on the pink bow tie Facebook page. So, you know, go check out pink bow ties, Facebook page, um, check them out on Instagram. Uh, Claudia and Rebecca have done a really good job of, of coming up with a way to rally, um, you know, a, a, a product within their community that says, Hey, you know, nobody else is out there looking after us. We need to do this ourselves. Yeah. And I think in the first week they had sold 60, you know, babes supporting babes clothing products. And Rebecca was quoted as saying, we've already received so many messages from women who love this and say they're discovering a lot of new businesses. Yeah, that's really that cool. They didn't know yeah. about, right? And so I think we've got, she says, I think we've got the perfect community to be able to do this type of project. And okay, so what what are we going to take from this, right? Here we live in this in this world riddled with plagiarism. How are we going to take what Rebecca um, and Claudia are doing right now and adopt it into our own communities? Well, you've got to think about if if you're that solopreneur or or like these two ladies, you know, a couple of entrepreneurs doing business you need to rally the business community around you. And you do that by showing them support. And, you know, we're going to talk about Amazon later and another, you know, uh, uh, shop local movement or the continued need for shop local movement. But even as an entrepreneur myself, somebody that's out there advocating for the small independent business, I still find myself at a time where I perhaps need that e-com opportunity, whether that's with, you know, electronics or, you know, cabling or something, you know, we probably have that need. But every single opportunity we have to support our local community, we need to do that. Well, it, it really like talk about magnifying that, uh, that stat, I'm probably going to get it wrong. But out of that $100 spent low with a local owner, was yeah. it Dan about like $48 like stays in that community $55 and, out of every $100 okay, yeah. spent and, stays and within with the a, local community with yeah. a program like this I, I gotta believe that number gets even even higher like right and all of a sudden the power of, of everyone doing it to, it's like getting in that streak in the drive-through with the coffee when the person in front of you paid for years and let's keep it going right <laughs> and, and right and and uh what a, what a great rallying point I love that and this is what these ladies have done is they've created this in their community and said, hey, you know, we need to be supported. And if I'm going to get out there on my, on my box and scream for support, I damn sure better be out there supporting the communities that we're in, right? right. So I can't say, hey, you got to buy local. You got to buy from me if I'm not already doing that. And going and introducing myself, you know, Rob, we've talked about community over competition 
so, so many times. And I'm going to say there are some shining examples um, in, in St. Albert, here in St. Albert. Um, you know, Leanne Mohagan from Simone and Ivy uh, and, and Lindsay Hedstrom from Bella Moss constantly collaborating. And, and, you know, both of those ladies are attracting local businesses to their businesses right. by supporting each other. And in this in this world of empowerment, you know, whether it's babes supporting babes or women supporting women or, you know, they call them CEOs. I hate that term, um, but CEOs supporting CEOs. It's, this is the, this is when we have to do it. Awesome. Well, you know, that simple givers gain, right. And, and don't, yeah, the rule don't, of reciprocity. Don't, don't wait to start. Just, just right. start yelling yourself. Find a way to, to support. And, and believe you me, I, I have great faith. It'll find its way back to you. Right. But, but don't sit there waiting for, well, I'll start when, when someone else does it for me. Right. And right. I love that line. You said, uh, you know, shit happens and, and they, they have a good cry about it one night and, and then dust off the next morning. And, and that's what we do. We figure shit out. Yep. Yeah. I said that you can't control the wind, but uh, figure out your sales. So. <laughs> Okay, Dan, figuring out uh, your sales is something a bit from this next story. Retailinsider.com talks about the city of Calgary approving a massive investment for downtown revitalization. Um, what stood out in this story and, and what, what are some of the takeaways you, you'd love to see other communities doing? Well, it was funny. You know, I, I looked first, Rob, at, you know, what was the conversation spark in this? You know, what were we going to use to, to make this story relevant. And I think your conversation spark here was what is the city's role in investing in growth? And truthfully, cities and their economic development bodies play a significant part in building our business community, downtown and, and otherwise. Um, and this article showcases how, you know, Cowtown has stepped up to the table with a couple hundred million bucks to help revitalize their downtown core. And every single city goes through this same process at one point or another as their core becomes less and less utilized while our cities are expanding outwardly as we become more and more urbanized. You know, the cores are left. And, you know, it doesn't take you long, Rob, you know, going for a spin in downtown Edmonton to see what revitalization has happened down there, to look at, you know, where the opportunities are in all these communities that are around us, you know, and if we could just get some, some investment and investment isn't going to come from just the city, but, you know, listen, I applaud Calgarians for getting behind this, um, but I'm going to say, <laughs> don't expect to see any big changes anytime soon. As with all bureaucratic endeavors, this is a 10-year plan right. uh, with, with $200 million being only 20% of the way there. They believe they need a billion dollars worth of revitalization or worth of funds for this revitalization. And for this shot to be on point, there's going to need to be significant investment from the private sector to keep the, keep the ball rolling. And I'll say to you, Rob, that the secret sauce for keeping a downtown core relevant is a mix of entertainment, food and beverage, and retail, and all of which has to be tourism supported in order to be ultra successful. Take a look at your own downtown core. Look at what's happening in downtown Edmonton. That's not because 
uh, uh, city council is approving spending, it's because there's an entity that steps in and says, I'm prepared to invest here. I'm prepared to build here. You know, look at what the what the you know Oilers Entertainment Group have have begun to accomplish. Yeah. You know, the arena was really just the springboard for them. But they they're now revitalizing that that downtown core with significant oh, investment. I'm about a block away from it, Dan. And I know right. because of COVID and the lockdown, when people do come back down here, they're gonna where'd this come from? There there's like two new buildings right. that have gone up in the last right year to to come you know fill that area out and and yeah as you say but you you know you're gonna remember yeah you're gonna remember here before they they started to build this you know world-renowned arena the city had to step up to make this possible but it took you know it took mr cates to come in and say you know this is what we want to do here. And this is the benefit. And now we're seeing hotels and restaurants and all of our great favorite restaurants, you know, have migrated in some, not just migrated, but maybe even expanded into the downtown core. And if it's not supported by tourism, it will not last. And Calgary is going to be no different. They've got to build, they've got to build a product that the tourists want to see that brings people to town like Edmonton does you know, we bring them clowns up from down there to our hockey arena. We let them in our barn. Occasionally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and so, a big big chunk yeah. of this investment too is is driven to the the office conversion. You know, the the Calgary's gone through right. a significant change and, and so the first realization is for anything to succeed, we we've got to get people down right. down to the core. Um, living all the time. So I guess whatever the scale is, do you think that's something that any community of any size, like, you know, lead that way and, and start with that focus? Cause it is quite a mix of everything. You know, yes. you talked about the Euler group and the, and I know gets people a little excited cause it's a, well, it's that hockey owner. He doesn't need right. anything, but you know, this feeds into the, into the arts in into uh, residential real estate and more. Well, you look at our downtown, Rob, you know, we've got the new art gallery down there, yep. right? It, I mean, I'm going to say new, relatively new. I mean, we're talking about a 10-year plan. So if something's two or three years old, I can still call it new. But we've got the art gallery. We've got a ton of new hotels, a ton of new residential, yep. right? New a museum. ton of new entertainment venues, restaurant. I mean, that's what I'm telling you, food and beverage and retail, right? Hospitality has to be part of a revitalize, revitalization plan. And so how do our, you know, what are we here for? How does this impact the indie retailer? Well, if you can get in early on this kind of a strategy, if you can be an early adopter, you're probably going to get in for a fraction of the cost yeah. that it will be in five or seven years. Had I decided to buy you know, that condo downtown for 170 grand that's now selling for 670, I'd probably feel a whole lot better about, you know, my decision-making process, yep, yep. <laughs> which we'll talk about in the retailer <laughs> question from <laughs> Philip. In the next one. Um, but that's a great point. You know, I, I think not only um, some dollar savings to, to kind of see the plan shaping and okay, I'm going to, I'm going to invest early, but also, probably be able to play a, a fairly prominent role in that development too, if you choose to. And we've talked lots yeah. about that. Uh, don't sit on your hands, like, like get in there and you can, you can help drive the vision of, of what right. the area your business is in turns out to be. 
And it takes one person to create an advocacy. You know, we want an advocacy body down there. Let's get an independent business for, let's get an indie retailer in that space early. We need to be early adopters. And, and Rob, retail success comes from living in the early adoption phase, taking risk when appropriate. And this is gonna be an appropriate level of risk. It's, there's, no, it, th- there's not a failure pending here. This is identifying massive opportunity for the downtown core and, and what Calgary is gonna see happen. And I can tell you, you look at other communities that have gone through this process. I mean, look at what happened in, in Glendale, Arizona. You know, they had to build a whole community out there for their arena because they were dragging everybody away from Phoenix. So they, hey, this isn't going to work unless we build entertainment, food, beverage, lodging, you know, two arenas, basketball, hockey, and the football stadium. You know, that's all entertainment driven. And that's what these guys down, you know, down south of us need to be thinking about. How do we raise the entertainment bar down here and maybe take a page out of Mr. Kate's book? This podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. We've been empowering retailers across North America for 30 years with the latest in point of sale technology, best in class support, merchandise intelligence with open to buy planning, and much more. CRS has the retail solution to help take your retail business to the next level of success. Visit retailbycrs.com to learn more. Remember, Canadian Retail Solutions exists to help make you, the independent retailer, better. All right, Dan. Next story coming from Forbes.com. Uh, our, our lovely independent retailers and the message yep. shop small and they got to keep it up. And, and this wasn't a temporary, temporary uh, measure. What, what stood right. out here, Dan? Well, I mean, this article really started, Rob, by, you know, talking to or speaking to the big getting bigger, you know, by being supported or, or as they've been supported by the rules of engagement over the last 14 months, Walmart, Kroger, Costco, Home Depot, Target, Lowe's, and of course, Amazon have all grabbed significantly more market share yeah. as the government's lockdown policies favored them over, you know, independent stores or over those stores that were deemed non-essential uh, to, to the consumer base. And local, ended up, local uh, uh, independent retailers ended up with this short end of the stick, but there's a strategy to be played here. And let's just go back to our first story and and talk about Rebecca and Claudia and what they're doing to shop local to support that movement. And yes, you know, the article went on to share a bunch of stats here, Rob, 55% of the population is looking forward to migrating away from, you know, big commerce or from big e-com engines and to be more supportive of the local community but the local community the local business has to stand up and shout they have to continue shouting let's rewind the clock 24 months how many stores existed in your community that you didn't have any freaking idea existed right they weren't taking advantage of i mean simple things like local search engine optimization so when someone types in where do i find they weren't coming up, right? The guys that buy the ad space were showing up. And here we fast forward now 14 months into this pandemic and it's easier and easier to find things in your local community because we're shouting. And if we haven't recognized this evolution that has happened, that we've evolved as, as business people um, 
you know, we'll fade to black very quickly. We have to continue standing up for ourselves and shouting, hey, we're here and we need your support. And at some point, Rob, you know, soccer mom and dads are going to be relevant again. Baseball mom and dads are going to be relevant and hockey mom and dads. And they're going to need the support of their local community, their local businesses to keep those teams rocking along. I promise you, we're going back to, you know, allowing our kids to, to play sports. It's going to happen. And we need our local community yep. to be a big part of that. Well, and as you've said many times, it's going to be these independent retailers, the first on their, on their list to go, uh, uh, support them in their, in their different endeavors. And, and, uh, um, but I like that point of, you know, you just can't sit there in silence. You can't have your little, little cry party and, and wait for everyone to right. come to you and back to the, the babe supporting babes that what, what a great little angle they found to, to just shout from the rooftop. And, and two, I, I kind of like, I'm a big fan of finding different ways to yell your name. <laughs> Right. right. Without sounding like super repetitive and, and boring. And it's a bit of a challenge, but um, there's so many different ways that, that you talked about here, you know, the different support mechanisms in a community. And, and as you said, this and this call or this article really talks about like the percentages of the different types of, you know, from Gen Z to millennials. Right. What they what they want to do but that doesn't mean they're going to do it. If, if you got to create the outlet for them, you got to create the path to your store. Yeah. We can't, we can't hold people accountable for what they don't know. Right. Fair I, if I don't know you exist, you can't be mad at me for not supporting you. Yeah. And so to your point, we've got to figure out new ways of being part of our community, being vocal, being present, being visible and some of that, Rob, is right up your alley in creating unique content for people. And retailers have to look at what's out there in the marketplace today in this, in this world of, of marketing and say, okay, you know, if I just simply copy my neighbor, who's going to get the business? Me or my neighbor? You know, the first adopter, the first one to break through the gate is the one that gets, you know, beaten up the most, but they're also the one that gets rewarded the most. Yeah. Right. When we start to copy what each other's doing, I remind myself of the first person, not the last person to do it. Right. So, so being different with your messaging is critically important to continuing to shout support local. Let's come up with a message that really highlights who you are. And we've talked about this before so many times, Rob, you gotta be you, yeah. right? If you try to emulate me, if you try to be me, you're just going to be me. And I'm going to get the reward for it. I'm going to get the credit for it, not you. You got to be yourself. I, I like it happened to me yesterday. And, and just to share the uh, we, we, our message is our message. And we're saying it all the time. We're doing it. And, and I think we get into this corner where, okay, everyone knows this. They know that. And, and yesterday, the I didn't know you do that. I didn't know you have that. And I I don't care what you sell or what your product or service. You've yeah. heard that line in the last month or two. And that's just a reinforcement that don't assume everyone knows you have it or, or you do it and, and that. And you just just keep pumping those messages out. Right. And and because, uh, you know, a lot of times and there's good old school advertising frequency and impression. People right. just need to hear it repeatedly. And I'm going to tell you this. So, you know, in the last certainly the last decade, I feel like I've been 
fairly involved in my community. Maybe in the last 18 months that it fades a little bit to black, but I've always been pretty invested in this community and know a lot of the business people, you know, we, we, you know, you, you, you end up in the same circle with business people, whether it's chamber events or rotary or hospital or whatever it is, you always end up seeing a lot of the same people. I mean, we're only, I mean, our, we're in a small town, Rob, we're only 60,000 people and I need a fridge and a, and a dishwasher for the new office. So I go in to see Sean and I say to Sean, Hey man, need a new fridge. Hey, how you doing? Dan? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, good, to, good to see you again, whatever. And, uh, I gave him the name of my company to deliver the fridge and the dishwasher to him. You know, I'm like Canadian retail solutions. He pauses for a minute. And he's trying to think he's like, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I talked to you guys a year or so ago out in Toronto, you know, looking for something. And I'm, I'm like Toronto, you were talk probably talking to the guy that's two blocks away from you. <laughs> but that was a reminder for me that here in my own backyard, People do not know what we do in St. Albert. People don't know about the, you know, about Canadian retail solutions and all of the things that we offer retailers, because here was a retailer that didn't know it was in his own backyard and chose not to buy from this company. So we got into this conversation. He chose not to buy from them because they were from Ontario, not Alberta. Now, listen, there's not that much technology when it comes to point of sale here in Alberta, but certainly there's tons in Western Canada. Yeah. And he chose to do something different because he wanted to work with someone local and he didn't know we existed. He thought he was talking to us in Toronto. Terrible story. Kicked my but, ass all the way home. But in the, you thought he knew. You yeah. thought, you know, I, I've kind of, hey, I'm here. I've been here forever. I talked to you before. You know, yeah. oh, I didn't know. <laughs> and, right. and man, it's just such a... I didn't hear you. That's yeah. the thing. Some people don't hear yeah. what you're saying, right? And <laughs> I was going to make a reference to white men can't jump, but yeah. you and I are probably the only ones that get that reference from a 25-year-old. At, at my game weight, I got about a three-inch <laughs> basketball vertical. Uh, yeah, that's why, that's why I stuck to the game of hockey. Yeah. <laughs> but I, Okay, so here, for the retailers out there that are bored of their messaging, and I can tell you, I, I hear this constantly, um, I don't have anything new to show, so I'm not showing anything. I don't have anything new to show, so I'm not showing anything. But let's remember what your audience actually consumes from you. If you're really, really good at your weekly newsletters, you're lucky to get a 20 to 25% open rate. And of that, you're lucky to get a 5% click-through rate. Yeah. Right? Think about the traffic that walks in your front door. If you sell 2 out of 10, that means you didn't sell 8 out of 10. Think about that newsletter if you got a 20 percent open rate that means that 80 percent of the people never even opened it all right what you showed yesterday on your facebook ad or your instagram ads or or TikTok or reels or whatever you're doing yep. might have been seen by 3500 people yesterday but in our community of 60 or 65,000, that means 60,000 people didn't see it and we make the mistake of not, not going back to our well over and over and over again. You know, we make the mistake as independent retailers or as retailers in general of, of not consistently marketing our best sellers. Well, it's my best seller. I don't have to. I'm telling you, people want to know what the best sellers are. And you got to hammer home. Yeah. This is what people love in my store. You might love it too. 
and showcasing different things. And we talk about this and, and even on, you know, the C retail by CRS website, there's a marketing health analysis. I mean, health assessment, go click that button and just, just have a talk with a marketing specialist to say, Hey, what should I be doing? How should I be doing? Don't pay for anything today. Let's figure out what you should be doing. And this whole, you know, mantra that we're talking about shop local and support local has to come from you being repetitive. You got to keep your foot on the gas, man. As soon as you lift off, traffic's gone by you. Right on. Good stuff, Dan. Okay, Keith, let's keep this advice coming here and let a good little segue into uh, our retailer question of the week. Uh, what'd you get this week, Dan? Man, oh man, this came from Philip. It came last week. Philip is from King Carden, Ontario. King Carden, right out on the lake, um, southwestern Ontario. And he says, Hey, Dan, um, you seem to do a lot with your own companies. Can you share three or four strategies that help you get to that next level when you were starting out in business? So uh, all transparency, uh, I had to dig in deeper to the question to Philip to really understand what he meant by a lot with my own companies. And it turns out he sees me representing two or three different companies at the same time. Okay. And while it may seem at times that I don't sleep, I assured him it takes a village. Um, and so as he and I chatted, we started to talk about, you know, first, what are some of the common mistakes that I see young or new business owners making? Um, and then how do we kind of quickly overcome or shift gears on those challenges? And I'll tell you that, you know, these two or three things that, that I see as challenging for the, for, um, you know, budding entrepreneurs, new businesses, um, is the same thing I see that are challenges with, with tenured retail veterans. Okay. You know? And we talk about, you know, these three or four things being um, identity is a problem or is an issue for us. I'll, I'll expand on these in a second, but identity, funding, objectivity, and, and mentorship. And so what do I mean by identity? People don't always truly know who they are or who they want to be. They, you know, let's just talk about a young business person their education comes from their part-time job or their degree, yep. which teaches them to lay out a well-thought, well-defined business plan that has no vision. It has no big, no big, hairy, audacious goal. They're not taught to learn to be, you know, to, to think like BHAG goals. What's my biggest, craziest dream? And now start to back up. They're taught to methodically move through, you know, this, this business plan without vision. And so not always do our budding, you know, retail entrepreneurs know who they are, nor are they prepared to adapt to who they need to become to find success. I can tell you that the biggest holdback is I don't do that. I don't like that. I don't believe in that. All right? You're in you're here to do business. Doing business, you know, has to have some level of commerce. And that means that you have to be adaptable. And it's not about who and what you like. It's about the market that you're catering to. So identity is probably one of the biggest mistakes. Tell me about your vision often comes with a, 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 yeah. a response, yeah, totally. right? 
And so you really have to be able to, you know, draw out what your identity looks like, but it's drawn in sand or written in sand, brother. You got to rub it out and rewrite it every week, every month, every quarter, every year. You know, at some, at some normal cadence, we've got to revisit what's our identity. What is our core purpose? You know, what are we going to do? So identity is a big challenge. Funding is always a challenge for a budding entrepreneur. They go into business underfunded or undercapitalized. And, and a lot of us in business, you know, spend most of our lives being underfunded. And we try to do everything ourselves. Because of this, what we call, you know, affordability or a lack of affordability. I can't afford to do it. Well, I'm here to tell you that you can't, you know, you, you can't not afford this. You've got to figure out a way to afford it. And having a good funding plan, not necessarily, you know, a big bank loan, but having a funding plan that measures cash flow dynamically and parks you know, a little bit of cash away for your next project every single day is critical. And, and cash flow planning, cash flow planning, not budgeting, not profit and loss in your business plan, but true cash flow planning has to be a dynamic entity, a dynamic embolism in your organization. You've got to be constantly planning. And most, most new retailers lack that funding understanding. And, and it's available to them. The other thing I talked about was objectivity with Philip. And I said, you've got to be objective. You've got to be able to rise above and, and look down on your business from outside of it and say, you know, we talked about clarity breaks before. Take that clarity break, look down on the business and say, what do I need to do to inch forward, not jump forward, right? I've spent, you know, 35 years Rob, becoming successful. Becoming that overnight <laughs> success. Another 30 doing it, <laughs> yeah. right? It doesn't, it's not an overnight success, man. You've got to have this level of objectivity to rise above and say, okay, this might be a mistake. This is on point. This is not. This is where I'm going to need to apply some pressure. And so many people come to us with this, you know, stuck in this narrow lane. They've got no objectivity. They've got to have objectivity. And the last thing Philip and I talked about, which of course, you know, meant something to me was mentorship. Okay. And so I can tell you when I go back in my life, I can identify today all the mistakes I made. I can't go back and tell you, hey, it was that moment that got me to the next level. But I can tell you every moment that set me backwards. <laughs> and that realization of what I did wrong is part of what we share in a mentorship relationship today or a mentorship role. And for every budding entrepreneur out there, if you don't have a, mem a mentorship plan in your business today, you are missing something. And listen, mentorship doesn't necessarily come from a guy that gets paid to do it right? We have business advisory teams that are there to help. And if you, I promise, if you picked up the phone and called your accountant and said, hey, Scotty, um, I, I need some business advice. I need somebody that's objective. Could I get an hour of time a month from you? Yeah. If you called your commercial bank account manager and said, hey, I love to get an hour of your time a month to sit on my business advisory team. I guarantee you're going to get a positive response from these people. And I could tell you, Rob, going through um, 
business in my life that my successes have all come from being surrounded by people better than me, by people that know more than I know, that, yep. that have been there, done that, have, have failed at something and succeeded at something. And I think that one of, one of the best things I bring in, in this mentorship role, even to a new person like Philip, is that I failed a ton, man. I have failed a ton and I failed a ton, but I know enough to say just because I failed at it doesn't mean you have to. I can just see some signs earlier than you might see them right. in that new wearing 50 hats <laughs> yeah. job that you're in, role that you're in. Guess what? Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Listen, I've made more mistakes than I've ever not, you know, and I've failed at as many things as, yeah. as perhaps seen some success. And, and part of that is part of that is the entrepreneurial path. You have to be spiraling out of control before you can start to move up or feeling like you're, you know, a, a hamster on the wheel before you break through that glass ceiling and you need to have mentorship. You've got to surround yourself with people that are prepared to share openly, not tell you what to do, but ask the right questions so that you make better decisions. And so thankfully, you know, Philip and I uh, got connected over that. And I said to him, I really am not doing that much. I truly believe in, in delegating and elevating, you know, to my unique ability. I have really good people around me. But when we start out in business, you don't maybe always have the best people. And so we have to go through this entrepreneurial process of identifying, you know, who are the people that should be around you? What should your, what should your accountability chart look like a year from now and three years from now and 10 years yep. from now? You know, you've got to have that vision planning in place. When you look back, Dan, like if, to give someone starting that actionable item as it relates to mentorship, when you look back, was it those, those real one-on-one, -on -one, say the accountant, mentorship relationship or was it more you know surrounding yourself with peers you know whether it's chamber of commerce or you know, rotary what what do you think offered the best value or was it a little from column a a little from column a? well it is always going to be a combination of everything but i'm going to tell you this um best smartest decision i was ever introduced to was a mastermind group not everybody can afford to be part of a mastermind group yeah. but it allowed me to assemble with peers, you know, 12 or 15 of my peers and learn and, and give and take, you know, from those best practices and from the financial metric analysis. And so being part of that mastermind group was a really healthy thing for me because I was young. I didn't know a ton. You know, it gave me exposure to things I didn't know. Yep. So certainly that mastermind was a great opportunity. I can tell you this from the very first trade show I ever went to. Okay. My um, mentor, I'm going to call Stan my mentor. He became a good partner um, to me, but really Stan was in a mentorship capacity. And the first time I went to a trade show with him, you know, we parked our asses in a seminar. We didn't go buying. We sat in a seminar. And I say this to retailers all the time. You know, if you're going to Magic, if you're going to, to um, coterie, or if you're going to go to no show or, or trends or wherever it is, you're going to buy from Atlanta, go to the seminars, look at the seminar list, learn from those people that are out there sharing their expertise. 
be a sponge and just absorb that. Walk away with one thing from every seminar that you can write on a playing card and yep. park it on your desk until it's time. So I did, Rob, trade shows was a big thing for me going to those seminars and then having the ability to be exposed to a retail coach. You know, and I think I've talked about this before. I, I really had two good coaches in my life. One is, his name was Lee Rochelle. He was a very strong operational yep. guy, yep. Um, really sound on the operational, on the back of the house kind of stuff. And then Tony Lester, still absolutely my favorite sales coach ever. Um, I can still hear Tony's voice in my head as she, she would say, uh, you know, what's your mission today? And I've regurgitated that for 12 or 15 years. What's your mission today? You know, what brings you in today and the power of you and, you know, that Tony really impressed that upon me. And she was, she still reigns supreme in my mind as one of my better, you know, sales mentors. And that's what she was. She was a mentor to me. And whether we were in a, in a, in a monetary driven relationship or not, I always had the ability to text her, call her, talk to her. And I've had that good fortune and still have good contact with lots of different mentors and follow some of them still today. I mean, David McMahon was, was a really smart, young uh, accounting mind, his father, Wayne McMahon. I mean, I, I, I still loved those guys. Uh, Phyllis, Phyllis Bosco from, from uh, she was with, you know, Profit Systems and Shelly Parlin, who left retail and went into residential real estate. I mean, all of these people became mentors to me and, and I leaned hard on them um, because of their been there, done yeah. that and their willingness to share openly, totally. to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I'm definitely not afraid to say to you, man, oh man, I made a lot of mistakes. You got, you got a couple hours and a half a yeah. ball of scotch. Let's sit down and you know, we'll start to talk about them. But yeah, uh, that's I really like e- even, you know, when sharing that story of going to the big shows and, and, you know, my takeaway, what I heard you talk about vision mentorship and how you just, you saw the value gained more out of around that vision mentorship than the, you know, to your first point, getting lost in the technical of a right. business plan and oh, I got to go buy, 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 you know, and, and uh, just, just the value you got as a business person focusing yeah. on on those things that's awesome and rob yeah. there's so much of that available in our marketplace today more today than there ever has been and i'm going to tell you this um retailers if you're if you're not following these people virtually you should be you know all these people that speak at trade shows they're, they're there for a reason you know they get those invitations for a reason they are you know leaders in their field in their industry and you know, magic may may be back in person in August for people and retailers need to be part of, you know, that education that you can get that's, that's technically free. You've already paid to go to the trade show. Yeah. Stop wasting your time buying shit from <laughs> 800 different vendors out there. Spend a little bit of time on yourself. I like that. Right, right on. Yeah. Well so, shared, Dan. Well shared. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. you know, Philip, man have really uh, grown fond of you in the last, last week or so. Love your, love your vision, love the opportunity to, to sit down and chat, um, you know, as he's getting started. Uh, and, and for anybody that's listening, uh, if you've got a question, if you've got something pulling on you and you want to get an answer, just send an email to Dan at the wealthy retailer.com. I, I promise I don't have all the answers, but I promise I'll know where to get an answer. 
um, if I don't know it. And and certainly, you know, we're going to share uh, this this what we call the retailer Q and A retailer question in our in our next podcast. Or pardon me, our next uh, newsletter. Yeah. So be sure to head over to retailbycrs.com. Hit that newsletter bunk. Uh, button and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. There's all of the links to this, these stories that we talk about today. Uh, and Rob's got a f- three or four other curated stories that, that we're going to include in the newsletter that were really worthy of time. But, you know, we try to keep this to 30, 40 minutes, Rob. So yeah, yeah. Can't hit them more. all. Again, <laughs> hit them all. A uh, few more stories in the world of cannabis, a company that that is just hardcore driven by data and yeah. and so an interesting take there uh i like this term shopping festivals and i i think this falls a little bit under yeah. you know the babe supporting babes where it does. They're, they're, they're creating initiatives that uh you know what darn it let's create a shopping event and and uh lo and behold people will show up for that stuff so maybe that uh, sparks an opportunity that you can take a look at and uh, I like this. The future likely belongs to small shopkeepers. And, and you, you alluded to it with the data that's there that, that really showcases people want to support this. Right. But we got to let's create that connectivity for them and that opportunity and, and uh, stand back and watch. So as Dan said, head to retailbycrs.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Uh, uh, thanks for listening this week. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Appreciate it. Hope you have your best retail week. Cheers.